the Protect Your Neck Podcast, Bellator Hawaii and UFC Busan Breakdown. Let's go. Savages, this is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Apologies if you hear sirens, wind, and whatnot. Uh, I am on location here in Hawaii, uh, recording this like I was last year. From uh, There's some wind there. Uh, from my grandma's apartment with the windows open here got a great view so hopefully um the audio is not too bad uh, let me check it right now actually all right i made a small adjustment but i'm back just a reminder to check the time stamps um if you want to jump to a particular part of course labs per usual in the breakdown episodes i'll be recapping all the picks and plays for both cards at the very end of the episode if you just want to expedite it that way otherwise we're going to go bellator salute the troops uh, Bellator 236, and then we're going to go UFC Busan. So a bit out of chronological order. I think like UFC Busan will be going on um, the wee hours of the night here, as it probably will be in the West Coast of the United States. Please don't make me do the math for you. But that is the math as far as how we're going to break it down on this show. So as per usual, check these show notes if you would like to jump ahead. Otherwise, I'm going to get through this um, as quick as possible. One, i got a dinner to catch here in a little bit, but two... I wasn't able to do my normal tape study. Now, I'm sure you all will forgive me, as you can probably do the math. Well, you know, you're actually, you know, on site doing uh, doing media, Dan, which you normally don't do aside from your normal beats. So there's, there's that extra, and I'm not complaining. It's awesome. I wanted to do it. I love doing it. It is great, but it does uh, take time um, from the normal beat as far as breaking down footage. So I will readily admit which... Which picks I don't feel good about, because some of the fights that I actually did the tape study on are the ones I don't feel good about, if that makes any sense. And of course, regardless, I will of course admit the fights that uh, I didn't do hardcore tape study, so uh, temper uh, temper my analysis, as I would say normally, to be honest, but, but more so than usual this week, I guess, um, is fair to say. And of course... Um, it's just been kind of bananas. Good stuff. I got to do some like extra preview videos um, with Bellator today. We, we wrapped up the media day. Um, pretty reasonable time. Not, not as big of a turnout. Most of the local media is focused on the locals. Um, but we were able to uh, touch base with some of the locals as well uh, as far as media. Shout out to Rob DeMello. You guys can find actually a, a preview show um, on Junkie. Uh, maybe not while this comes out, but the day after. We'll probably have it dropped uh, Friday morning. Uh, preview show. Me and Rob DeMello kind of breaking it down. Rob gives great history as we're going to get to the top fight on Bellator Salute the Troops. As far as Josh Barnett, which, you know, I totally spaced that he was, you know, in, in, in back here in the Super Bowl days. I mean, so many fighters were really a part of, you know, that 2004, 2005, 2006, you know, era. And then, of course, even before that, you had different generations. Of course, you had, you had the Vitor Belfort, right? And then even later on, when you got to, like, 2005, wow, that is a loud ringer, 2006, you had uh, Roger Huerta, you know, making his debut. Okay, sorry about that, guys. Home phone, grandma's got it. And uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just this crazy history of just, even just, like, non-Hawaiians. We think about the Hawaiians, the Rumble and the Rock shows. But there's just so much history outside of that. You know, Carlos Condit storming onto the scene, submitting Frank Trigg with a triangle choke uh, on that same little tournament series, if you will, that Rumble and the Rock, where Anderson Silva... Um, got one of his last losses before he hit the advanced, advanced stages of his career. The DQ loss to Yushin Okami. I mean, there's just so much cool stuff. Uh, Rob was a great source for that. And just a lot of a lot of old school people who have been here for a minute. So it was really nice. And, uh, you know, even Josh Barnett dro- dropping the Ronald Jun and all the old school Hawaii fighters references at, at Media Day. So that was a lot of fun. Make sure you be on the lookout for that. Um, I got a couple cleanup notes from last week, but I'm going to weave it into listener questions, which I'll probably do right after Bellator and before UC Busan, so it won't affect any of your timestamp notes. Um, I haven't forgot about that. I will get to that. Uh, last shout here before we just jump all into Hawaii. Uh, my boy Juan Camilo, man. He just beat. Uh, he just defended his belt 
his WXC belt. Um, you know, his a- amateur champion, I believe undefeated even as an amateur and now undefeated as a pro. I think he went to move to 5-0, and defending his WXC title uh, against a uh, uh, flyweight title against Eric Showtime Shelton. It was a big step for him. Showtime was, was tagging him up early, and, and uh, Juan Camilo was able to come back, and it's just crazy to see that kid, man. Um, dude, I mean, when I was teaching beginners classes at Extreme Couture back in 2012, that kid rolled in on his motorcycle, uh, just a very beginner. And uh, I could see that he was picking up stuff right away. I would, even I would teach kind of some semi-advanced stuff like from turtle or this or that, kind of not your typical positions. And the kid freaking tracked fast. Next thing I know, I come back from New York. He's already you know starting in the amateur fight team, and uh, I'm jumping back in there. The kid's kicking my ass, and he's still calling me coach, which is extra insulting. <laughs> Thankfully, I made him stop calling me that because I don't deserve to be called that. He's got some great coaches, and Dennis Davis, Eric Nixick down there at Extreme Couture treating him well. So I, I wanted to give Juan Camilo a shout. All right, folks, on to Hawaii. Boy, this is uh, some good stuff. Thank you guys for the shouts, by the way. Um, before we jump on to Josh Barnett and Ronnie Marks here at the top, just a, just a, a last note here on good old grandma. I, I sent out a tweet. I just wanted to thank you all that just giving me that. I, I always feel weird, like, because I'm, I'm already wearing enough of my uh, heart on my sleeve, and I'm already way too personal about my own personal life and family stuff on this podcast in general i am an oversharer so i get a little weird about that and i felt weird kind of tweeting out a humble brag um on some information i found out about my grandma but i'm not going to go back into the whole grandma thing for those of you familiar listen to last year's episode but it was a cool episode i did get a lot of positive feedback one of the few episodes i like and more importantly my my grandma's a pretty badass and uh for those of you don't know she she um she ran uh she ran an airline called Scenic Airlines out here in the 1970s and 80s, and she was actually the first woman and first woman of color in Hawaii to own or operate a commercial airline. Also, one of the first women, first women of color, really in, in the whole United States, and probably the, the you know, um, yeah. I mean, it's just really, really crazy. But and I knew that, and 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 for those of you who don't know, I actually the reason why. This is relevant to, to breaking down MMA in this podcast, folks. I'm not, not waxing for no reason, but part of the reason why I ended up doing what I'm doing, you know, aside from giving the credit to martial arts and, more importantly, getting beat up in martial arts for years, which is my biggest qualification for this, my other was my grandma. You know, I grew up um, with her in her old house, and she would, even though she had a very successful uh, business and, and did well off, she didn't, she didn't need any extra money, but she... She's not your normal woman that was born in the late 1920s, early 1930s, folks. In fact, she's not your normal Chinese woman if you really want to play stereotypes because she loves sports and she actually ran a, allegedly, enough time has passed, allegedly she ran a book um, where, you know, from governors to local people uh, would would, would play bets and she would be running tape, watching tape. She'd have her uh, little punch-up machine to, to, to run numbers, her notes, and she'd have her phone call, her, her telephone right next to her taking calls and bets. And uh, I grew up in that room, and that's kind of how I came up. I became a basketball fan, a Chicago Bulls fan through that, watching the Bulls, Blazers, the early NBA Finals. And uh, on the weekends, we would all the cousins, we'd have to set up. She would run, again, allegedly, illegal card games, and we would set up these long tables in the house, uh, clicking these wooden tables together, and while my my grandma cooked, me and my little, my cousins, we would all set the tables. We'd, we'd shuffle the card decks, put the decks on, tablecloths, and we'd set up games. Um, and it was just that's that's kind of how how uh, how I grew up. But I guess what I didn't know, and I, and I tweeted, was that uh, uh, you know just just having long talks. You gotta, you gotta appreciate your 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 family and while they're while they're here, folks. And uh, my family's a bit crazy, you know. Uh, seeing my dad, for example, seeing my dad for the first time in like 13 years, if that says anything. So definitely not a far from perfect family, but was very lucky enough to have some strong women in my family. And found out that my even my you know my, my grandma actually used her platform with the airlines to actually give women pilots jobs. You really think about it, even today, 2019, almost 2020. How often, when you're getting on a plane, do you see women pilots going up there? You, you don't see that many. It's even in you know the woke world as it is, um, it, it's still not fair, and 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 equality is, is is not a blanket thing, unfortunately. And especially back then, I mean, imagine back in the 1970s if you were a woman trying to be a pilot. So even if they were had the means uh, to go to school, make it through school, and all that stuff, they still had hard times getting jobs. So my grandmother would, would, would be able to give these women's jobs and give them hours to, you know, you had to get certain flight hours to be a pilot. And I just thought that was really badass. So 
This uh, this one's going out to my grandma and my mom, just two of the some really strong uh, women in my life, and then I wanted to dedicate this podcast to them. Sorry about that. Thanks for humoring that. On to Bellator Hawaii. So we hit it uh, at the ten minute mark. We got Josh Barnett minus two fifty, Hani Marks plus two ten. Wow, um, this is about about right. I mean, Josh Barnett's been out for. Uh, been out for a while, and as much as I love him, it, it is heavyweight, and and uh, we've seen it before. You know, as badass as Josh Barnett is, uh, Barnett Barnett is, you know, he can catch an elbow to the side of the head, or, or things can happen, right? It's not that crazy. Um, and Honey Marks, of course, he, he used to be at middleweight, but like you know, we've seen a lot of, of of fighters, and he was setting you know some of the friends of his, you know, move up in weight and uh, do well. Especially these middleweights. I mean, you know, like, what is it? Like, I don't want to cite France and Bahos, God forbid. But, I mean, there's a lot of these, like, like I said, like, uh, I cited Julian Marquez, who told me, you know, middleweights are heavyweights that cut weight. And this is kind of further proof. So it'll be interesting to see um, how, how Hani Marks handles. Man, Hani Marks, man, that guy is thicker than a Snickers. Thanks, God. I didn't realize that. I guess I'm slow to the party, but he got another God tag. Now, it's, it's warrior, God's warrior, warrior of God. I'm like, this guy really likes... Guy's really all about God. Thanks, God. But no, Hani was really—he's really nice guy. Oh, I'm okay, Popo. Thank you, though. Oh, thank you. Looks good. I'm okay. That no, no, no. I'm okay. Oh, this is another reason why Susan's I can't. sister made it. Oh. She just sent it just now. I'll, I'll have some before they come here, so I'll yeah. let them know. I just, yeah, yeah. That's another reason it's, it's, it's tough to get stuff. My, my grandma's trying to get me fat and drunk most of the time as well. So like, it's been like the movie Grandma's Boy, because. Uh, you know, you got to take advantage. She doesn't have a, a young strapping lad around the house much. So I've been taking her to nail salons and, and doing some extra duties, which I'm not complaining. I love, absolutely love my grandma. But it's just funny. I, I really do feel like the character from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> you know, like I, it actually got some of my articles late in this week. <laughs> I was just talking to uh, Matt. Erickson, like, yeah, man, I was going to get this article done last night. My, my grandma, she's killing me. She's putting me to work. <laughs> Just like, uh, what's his name in Grandma's Boy? It's great. And, I mean, even like last night, I was trying to be somewhat healthy, which I, I'm on a damn car. It's like I can't get enough carbs here. The thing that I hate about Hawaii is not only nostalgia food that I want to eat, but even stuff that I should know better, like rice. Even the rice tastes so damn good, and I can't help myself. So it's bad enough I'm just loading up on chicken and rice last night. And then my grandma's just like, she's like, why don't you have a beer? You, you drink beer with your, and you crack a beer. I'm like, you're making me drink. So, yeah, I apologize, folks. That's another reason why I didn't get through all my tape study. But, yeah, Honey Marks is thicker than a Snickers, man. Um, that said, I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to go with Josh Barnett here. Um, I think he can get it done inside the distance, but I tell you, the longer this goes, the uglier it's going to be no matter who wins. Um, I'm keeping my money away from it, to be honest. Most of this is a stay away. There's going to be no avoid list. I, 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 I do have some suggestions, and... Um, I, I will tell you about a shot or two I may have taken, but really, for the most part, it's going to be um, it's everything's going to be on the avoid list, folks. And again, recapping at the very end, uh, co-main event, if you want to call it that, Eric Goyito Perez makes his Bellator debut, minus two eighty. Toby Misich plus two forty. You know, we were talking to Toby yesterday. He looked and sounded good. Uh, sounded like he was in a good place, not not taking these losses too hard. And you know, he was kind of uh, fed to Dantas is kind of just that that get a win, and he kind of felt like it here. Unfortunately, he shows up the next day and then misses weight, and that's really tough. I mean, you know, I know, I know, you know, the matchmakers and whatnot seem seem pretty disappointed. I mean, a lot of guys are, are bucking for these opportunities out here. So when you miss weight, it it definitely looks bad. And the guy looked in great shape. I don't know what what happened. Maybe Toby's just you know he's getting older. I think he's like 31. Uh, whereas Eric Goyito Perez, he's still young, man. You know, he, he kind of went off the radar for a bit. But uh, he looked really healthy. He looked in really good spirits. It's great to see him wearing the luchador mask. I uh, asked him about that, you know, and, and, and th that was definitely a plus for him, he said, as far as joining Bellator because they, they, they still allow the fighters to have characters, which I, I love and get behind. Um, so it's good to see Perez out there. We'll see what he does. I'm going to pick him here. Minus 280 is tough, but, you know, as much as I love Hawaii, that probably is about right. Um, you got to be a better grappler to either contend with Perez or good enough grappler to keep it standing, and then hopefully, if you're good enough on the feet, beat Perez there. So, gotcha, gotcha, and uh, and yeah. So I think uh, I think Perez uh, 
I think Perez should take this. But again, and this is something that you might see if you've watched the video interviews on MMA Junkie. I've, I've kind of asked this a lot, at least to the younger Hawaiian fighters, um, because it's something I noticed. And, I, and I, of course, I talked to the locals about the, these series, and I don't think, you know, you'll see the people in the know will say one thing, the odds makers will say the other, and then the general population will be either clueless or just even on a, on a third page, right? So what is it? about Hawaii fighters that makes them so hard to get a beat on in that sense. And I just think it really, I mean, and I'm sure you guys, it doesn't take a, you don't have to be from here to know this. I mean, you guys are grinders that listen to this. You, you, you scan your tapologies and your sure dogs. You see a lot of these names that Bryce, you know, Brenson Hansen, Bryce Kamaka, Zach Zane, like you see these certain names all the time, you know, uh, Cisneros, Chris Cisneros. I mean, you see these names all the time, but in Hawaii, I mean, in MMA in general, compared to boxing, we talk about how hard... I mean, it's, just, it's a hard sport, no matter how you cut it, first of all, right? But we also talk about how hard it is to build up records and, and taking the proper way, even in this day and age, right? It's a lot tougher in Hawaii. It's a smaller sample size. You're, you're having to fight on these local shows, or you're having to go to like places like PXC, and, you know, the melting pot of the, you know, um, of the uh, Pacific Ocean, if you will, there, over, over on that side of the world, right? And a lot of times you end up getting a chalky record because these guys cross paths with really experienced guys way too early. And even the ones that are success stories, you know, like look at Max Holloway. He actually won his way to the UFC. But you look at those fights, I think like just his four fights outside of the UFC, his first four fights, I think like two of the guys had like 30 fights or something. It was ridiculous. Like he was already having to face those experienced guys. And that's something you need to keep in mind when you're breaking down these Hawaiian fighters, not just the stereotypes of Hawaii and they're tough people. And yeah, all that's true. And of course, I'm going to pump my chest, right? I'm biased. But, but no, aside from that, I, I do think it is a tricky sample size because of the competition. That said, my pick is Perez. And next fight, I actually looked into this one and I, I don't feel good about it. We got Alejandra Lara. Oh. Colombians, girls are my kryptonite, folks. Oh, Colombianas. Easy, Dan. Stay on target. Stay on target. Vita Artiga, plus 125. I actually took Vita here. Now, I don't know if it's um, – I'm really good about not looking at the, the picks contest. In fact, you, you really don't hear me for talking about uh, – podcasts about picks. You really don't hear me talk about the pick standings um, as far as staff picks for MMA Junkie. One, because for me, really, let's be honest, folks, it's a lose-lose thing for me. If I win, I'm supposed to win. Oh, you're supposed to win, Dan. Those are a bunch of journals. You're a fight analyst. You used to do this. Yeah, you probably should win. But if I lose – Dude, you lost to a bunch of journals. You're a fight analyst. You probably should win. You see how it works both ways and none of it works, none of which works for your boy there? Yeah, that's why I really don't talk, get too high about these pick contests. And uh, in my guess, I'm probably going to do the same thing. I did. I did the same thing last year where I pretty much first the whole year until um, Simon and Nolan jumped in, which no no shade on them. Those guys are excellent dudes and great pickers. So even though it is a skewed sample size, folks, I've got at least 100 more picks that I'm having to represent my percentage. Yes, that is worth something. But at the same time, I'm not going to take credit from uh, from Simon or Nolan, especially if they win. Um, they deserve it, man. They're, they're real sharp dudes, really good pickers. It's, it just sucks for me either way because it's lose-lose, even though, again, for what it's worth, uh, I'm, I've been consistently on the top from start of the year to end of the year to in between both this year and last. But we don't give credit to that, do we, folks? Uh, I don't know if it got into my head or not. Um, but uh, I don't even think that matters because, I, come to think about it, I think people that are close with me, like Kenny, also picked Vita. So it wasn't even like I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of anybody by picking her. But it is a close fight. I do agree with Lara being the favorite. Um, Alima Lee McFarlane actually I had her break this fight down um, just because we had to interview her again and I hate asking these fighters the second, same questions especially the day before they're cutting weight when they're extra cranky um, but she actually had a really good breakdown um, on why Lara should win and I agree you know length athleticism and something that I couldn't really get an answer it, it looked like it was happenstance I couldn't tell if it was more the girls making mistakes or does Lara actually have some good hips and good wrestling and uh, you know she did some wrestling back in Colombia and she really um, when I was interviewing her, she actually said that was one of her first martial arts that she um, gravitated toward was wrestling um, when she was a really young girl. So I kind of underestimated that, but I, I'm keeping my pick to Vita Ortega, um, not because Alejandra Lara looked like she had a really rough weight cut, which she did. I didn't realize how big she was. I mean, this girl is big, and not in a bad way. Um, or not that being big is bad, by the way. I'm just saying, like, uh, as far as athleticism for a fighter being in sh She wasn't out of shape, I guess is what I'm trying to say. She was just more muscular, more toned, and just in general larger. And believe me, 
not a bad thing. I mean, she is huh, all the right places. Uh, Jesus, can't. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, <laughs> she, 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 you know, she was bigger than I thought. And uh, you know, when I asked Vita to break her down, that was her first thing. But you know, like Vita said, she's like, that's kind of the deal with everybody. Everybody's more athletic. Everybody's bigger than me. Everybody's stronger. But that doesn't really stop her from winning. And in fact, when you look at Vita Ortega's list, she's five and three, but like two of those are two of the better girls in the division, and they were by split decision. You know, could have gone her way. One judge sees one round differently. Um, and you could maybe argue should have gone her way on one of those. Then her last loss, of course, to the champion, uh, No Shame Malay, doing damn good, undefeated. And it was a doctor's cut stoppage. And even Ali Malay not only gave credit, um, to Vita, but just said she was a really tough fight and that admitted that she was getting tired and wearing down in that third round if that elbow didn't happen, which was, and again, credit to Alimale for being so honest, which was why she offered the rematch. But again, it's one of those really tricky records where you look at Vita Ortega and just kind of proving my fact further that she really is the Diego Sanchez, at least of the, the Bellator women's divisions. You know, she comes forward. She's a good grappler. Not super flashy on the ground or the feet. But she gets it done. And uh, I think she's going to have a tough road to hoe with the length. But I think if she can get inside, she can make this an ugly enough battle to edge out two rounds, especially the third, um, if Lara can't get anything seriously done. I hate picking against Lara. Lara is the deserved favorite. And uh, if I were to pick one fighter to uh, uh, ask for my hand in marriage <laughs> any organization, no, maybe not that far. But my God, she is, oh, my God, Alejandro. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm going against my own heart here. Oh, I'm sorry, folks. I know. I, I probably sound like a creep. I just... I, Colombian women are a special kind of kryptonite. The beautiful, beautiful people down there. Uh, the women, at least. Uh, not saying nothing wrong with the men. I'm sure the men are just fine, folks, but I wouldn't... I wouldn't know. All right, folks. This is not what we're here. <laughs> Dan, we're not listening to hear you break down what, what, what nationality you find most attractive. I'm sorry. This is... This is what you get with the Protecting Neck Pot podcast. We've got Taiwan Claxon as a minus 450 favorite over Braden Akil. Now, you know I'm boy with Taiwan Claxon. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really high on this kid. Um, not confidently because I have much respect for Emmanuel Sanchez, who I think is the dark horse. But I did take a, a, a flyer thinking maybe Claxton um, could, could surprise. Uh, he didn't. You know, a lot of the chickens came home to roost as far as running a little bit too much of his own camp and not having a focus so much head coach. And it was really good to hear that instead of only flying out uh, my coach Neil Melanson for a little bit, he actually went to Neil in Vegas, stayed in Vegas, got in practices there, got in some, uh, got in some competitive rooms, got his ass kicked, you know, by his own admission, um, and just made him better. Really got things back on track. And uh, aside from that, um, you know, uh, glaring hole or attitude or approach uh, he had in his last fight. I mean, he really is a smart guy. Not just because he's a coder, but you talk to Taiwan Clax. He's a bright guy, man. He made some really good analogies when I was talking to him earlier. That being said, even though I think he should be the favorite, I think he rolls here. Braden Akio, um, I wasn't able to see much footage on him, uh, uh, but he is experienced, you know. Um, he's fought, uh, I believe he fought Contender Series. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it wasn't him. It was a different fighter. Uh, but Braden has done wrestling, though. He's actually... A really good wrestler was a state champ wrestler, and even Taiwan Claxton said he's a younger him, so he can't. He's probably not that far off from Claxton. Uh, and again, you can't really tell with these Hawaiian kids. So Braden could be a live dog there, especially at plus three sixty. But my, my pick's going to be Claxton. Um, but by the way, folks, with these Bellator, especially the, the, these fights are a lot closer. You never know. Sometimes I'll just put a dollar on these for fun, but uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to do that, and it's not worth giving you a pick. So that's why I'm not really telling you what to play here. I mean, these are kind of wide odds, and again, I didn't, I did, did more study on the Bellator than you'll see, to be honest. But yeah, I didn't do study on a lot of these fights. So pardon me if I'm not sounding super convincing, super confident, and. Uh, Tossing plays out left and right on this podcast. Joey Davis, speaking of big favorites, minus 1375. Chris Cisneros, who I referenced earlier, he's been around since the, since the Super Brawl days, the Icon Hawaii days, uh, plus 900. Um, I get it, you know. Um, Cisneros is a scrapper, and he's not just kind of following the high-level guys, but grapplers as well. And with Joey Davis with his wrestling I mean, you know, one of the top prospects over there. He's got his whole crew up here with him, you know, uh, the body shop and whatnot. All those, all those guys are staying tight. I think he's in good company. I, I, I liked his attitude um, a lot talking to him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the pick here is Davis, but um, 
I'm just more excited just to see that fight and uh, uh, play out. All right. Um, that's all there is for odds, so that probably means there's nothing else worth talking about on that card. So I'm going to jump over to Bellator 236. Yeah, Lee Malay McFarlane, minus 510. Kate Jackson, plus 405. Um, man, again, I picked McFarlane, and I guess I could see why the odds went high, but I don't know. I don't think it should be this wide of a fight uh, at all. I know this kind of happens not as bad as the old Ronda Rousey odds days, but that similar, that similar um, ideology, if that's probably not even the right word, still kind of exists when we see an undefeated or a, a somewhat dominant female, female champion We'll see the odds. We'll see. We'll see odds kind of get fast and loose. Um, it's hard to pick against Kate Jackson. I feel bad. I feel bad. Like <laughs> that's the one thing, especially like you know, there's videos of me picking against this girl, saying why Lena Lay is gonna win, and then here I am asking her questions two days in a row and, and leading off media day today, um, playing point man. So it was kind of, <laughs> which I didn't mind. It was a great experience. I love my job, all that, but it, it is one of the. Uh, more otter parts so uh props to the john morgans of the world and whatnot who's been having to be on junkie staff picks for how many years now and then sitting in front of these same fighters for all the time uh but yeah uh, you read the full breakdown there i really like kate jackson's style um i think she is going to prove a lot of problems on the feet on the floor early the problem is um she either gets too aggressive and gasses out or can try to stay back too far and let the fight come to her and either Either of those scenarios, I favor Alima Lee McFarland to take over. That being said, I don't think it's an indicative of her taking over at a five minus five ten odds. So, careful what you will. I got McFarland by a late submission. AJ McKee minus eight hundred, another wide line. Derek Campos comeback plus five fifty. Again, no issue with the favorite is here. Just a bit wide of lines. And and again, my breakdown actually just dropped before I, I started recording up at MMA Junkie. So you can get some more details on the West Texas Tough, Derek Campos and AJ McKee. Um, always a fan of Derek Campos, man. I mean, he's just a blood and guts fighter from every sense of the word. I've never been to West Texas, but from the movies, they just sound like some of the most badass people on the planet. And uh, <laughs> it's always I always got respect, and I was telling Derek that today. Um, that being said, it's hard to pick against A.J. McKee. He's real talented, southpaw, athletic, wrestling base, front choke threats, submissions, can kick, can counter. Um, and I was really impressed, albeit he missed a lot and it wasn't the most exciting fight. Um, I was really impressed with that Pat Curran fight because to me that was the trap fight. Super defensive guy, hard guy to fight, hard guy to look good against, and a hard guy to beat in Pat Curran. I know he's older, he's coming off of... A big layoff for that fight. I, I, I get this, but that's that still impressed me, folks. And um, talking to AJ McKee, this could be another form of a trap fight. Derek Campos is one of those fighters that can, you know, he can audit you if you're not careful, give you that vet lesson. But I, a lot of these fighters, I was really hoping to, to see some overconfidence and maybe even some ignorance, which wouldn't be a bad thing. A fighter should have that, and it's not abnormal. I'm not picking on anybody, but I was really pleasantly surprised with McKee and many of the other young fighters who you think would fit that bill but actually came off very mature very focused on their opponents things you like to hear from young fighters who are big favorites i'm going to take mckee by another first round knockout here i think the speed's going to be too much uh juliana velasquez minus 450 bruna ellen plus 360 i'm laughing because i don't know why i always fuck up when it comes to juliana velasquez like last year um yeah like 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 Last like last year, I uh, <laughs> Juliana Velasquez came back for media uh, during the during the fight. She won her fight, and uh, I think John wasn't back there, so I I, I started I, I started off the media with questions again, and <laughs> it was my turn. And like, okay, go. And I'm about to go with my question, but then I forgot about her name, and then I started drawing a blank on her name. But I wanted to get something out fast, so only her last name came to mind. So I just said Velasquez. But I said it literally in this tone, instead of, uh, Vla instead of going, uh, Velasquez, uh, how was your win? Or something like that, which would still sound awkward. I, no, I went, Velasquez. <laughs> and even Kenny, I didn't mean to quote it or say it in this cadence, but even Kenny picked, it, picked up on it. He's like, dude, what are you, like from, what are you, that dude from Aliens? Aliens 2? Uh, Velasquez, just point the way and I'll 
and I'll fire. Remember that the, the Mexican chick with the big gun? Aliens 2 in 1986, folks. You, you all don't know what I'm talking about. You better. Again, all, all you, you kids who thought Halo was the, was the shit, old contrarian Dan Tom hated Halo. You know why? Because they ripped off Aliens 2, those motherfuckers. They ripped it off. Just like Star Wars. Dan, don't get into Star Wars. I know, I know. Star Wars is already taking up people's timeline. But hey, who, who told you first that, about Divisive Yoda, huh? Who was first with that unpopular opinion? And now you just see the, the Baby Yoda gifs. Oh, everybody doing the Baby Yoda gif just like they wanted you to. Ho, ho, ho. I know, I'm such a contrarian. I'm such an asshole. But yeah, screw that. All right, anyways, back to Velasquez. So she's coming up for media today. And as she's walking up with Ed Sarez, I'm just like thinking about, oh, God, you fucked up last time. You fucked up last time. And then, of course, like, <laughs> I got in my own head, and then I, I think I fucked up the first question, and then I didn't even, like, <laughs> wait for Ed's translation. I just went on to the next, and I'm usually actually really good about that. I'm really good about being organic with the interviews for being a, a, a bad and inexperienced interviewer. I'm pretty good about that, but I, I was a dumbass. I jumped right to the next question, and Ed's like, oh, don't you want translation? I'm like, yeah, I'm an idiot, Ed. Please translate. <laughs> But Velasquez, she couldn't have been nicer. Uh, she's super dialed in and focused. Um, this girl is a sleeper that I don't think anybody wants anything to do with. And Bruna, Bruna Ellen is an athlete. Um, she's not just trying to do this to look pretty. She, 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 she comes from a decent camp, but I don't blame the odds here. It's hard to pick her um, with her you know, kind of outside fighting um, Muay Thai game at that height length and athletic disadvantage. I don't think it's going to work out well for her. I'm going to take Juliana Velasquez. Uh, Jason Jackson getting much respect coming out of Henry Hoof's Hard Knocks 365 on short notice. Only seven days notice, though Kiichi Kunimoto only got five days notice, which was I thought was, was interesting. Um, but, yeah, even though it's only seven days notice for Jackson, he's very confident. Um, he's, he's a character, so you got to kind of cut through that. But uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely appreciated. Um, yeah, I definitely appreciated his uh, <laughs> his his character. He sounds like he's in a good place. Sounds very confident. Um, it's just weird to see that big of a favorite for a guy taking him on short notice. I know Kuichi Kunimoto is a pro, a thirty-eight-year-old ex-pro skater, who uh, you know has lost more than he's won when he's gotten to the top level, but. Something about that experience. This guy is in really good shape. He is he is the prepared fighter. So to see him at anywhere over two to one underdogs makes me raise a slight eyebrow. That being said, my pick is going to be Jason Jackson here. Hafi and Stotts minus six hundred versus Chaden Lealoha. Aloha. Uh, man, Chaden. He's yeah. He was the guy. He's fought um, Dana White's Contender Series. He's fought in the mainland. He's fought even fought up at Victory FC where they had the square cage. So I mean, this guy's got a lot of experience. So again. This line could be a little closer, but that being said, you can't. I mean, it's hard to deny Rafian Stotts being the favorite here, obviously. So my pick's going to be Stotts. I really liked where his head was at. I mean, he sounded just super humble, down or not, like not acting like he's the favorite one second, which which I like. Um, and uh, yeah, and and that's it from Hawaii. Uh, real quick uh, before we tie up here and go over to UFC Busan, just going to pull up a. Uh, a bookmark tweet and also give a shout out to a and I did the recap I mean you guys wanted it hopefully it was okay for Sunday listening I just I didn't really like it myself I was like ah, it's probably just ranting a bunch so hopefully um, I didn't lose more listeners and rant your guys ear off but hopefully you at least dug it and um, uh, I'll try to get better at those because I do intend on doing more recap shows folks so I got to get better at it and then I'll try to, to talk your ear off less I know I know that sounds like an empty promise uh, but you know who really did put it in better words, written words, uh, but but you know, but still much much better words. Dave Doyle had a great op-ed piece and really kind of called it for what it was. I mean, I always like Dave's opinion. I always respect it. I always, if he writes something, I will read it. But uh, he 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 particularly hit the nail on the head. Uh, way better than um, definitely my rambling ass could have done. So uh, so I wanted to give that a shout and then bookmark. Somebody asked me a question which I didn't get to. Um, Let's see here. Oh, not that fool for now. Um, all right. Oh, I think I got to go to actually my different account. My Protecting Podcast account will probably show different bookmarks. I think that's, yeah, it does work that way. Okay. Um, AHBA I 1986 at Abai1986. So we get in one, interested to hear your take on how gracious Colby was in defeat. I mean, not very gracious. I, I, that's one thing I didn't touch on. He ran out of the 
the uh, octagon, didn't shake hands. I mean, I guess that's his character, but I'm not, at the same time, like I said, I'm not one of those people I'm like, oh, just because it's his character means you got to feel this way, or it's okay. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it didn't surprise me, but was it gracious? Absolutely not. How great um, and defeat, not sad at all. An obvious, an obvious shot Aldo coming off an L versus Suhudo would be. How great would... I mean, if there weren't such things as if Peter Young weren't born, if Aljamain Sterling weren't born... <laughs> Then I guess maybe I could, I, I, you know, and, and if Aldo didn't in fact not lose and look like a skeleton, then maybe I could get a little more excited if like we could just ignore all those facts. And if you just, nothing else exists, but we just get a white room with a healthy Cejudo and a healthy Aldo. Hell yeah, I get excited for that. But I mean, it'd have to be that kind of a hypothetical, my friend, because as you know, the Bantamweight title picture, in my opinion, has no room for that sort of talk. And why does the UFC hate Mike Perry so much? I'm guessing because that's how they match him up. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, that's an interesting point. Uh, and Mike Perry, actually, he's, he's falling in line with some of my favorites and perhaps your favorites. And I point to Jim Miller and Joe Lozon, especially Joe Lozon. I remember Joe Lozon. He would get, like, these great fights, whether I get, like, you beat, like, you know, some, uh, you know, some journeyman guy. Joe Lozon has a couple of those lower names. Earlier on in his career, I get it. You beat those guys. You're going to have to take a step up the next time. You know, you've been here a while, Joe. I totally get that. But I feel like there were just way too big of steps up. Like, okay, the guy barely, get, you know, not barely gets by. But it's a back-and-forth fight, which is why it was fight of the night with uh, Jamie Varner. And then, like, what do, we, what do we reward him with? Oh, here's Anthony Pettis. Go get head kicked, knocked out in Japan. Like, Jesus, that was a terrible matchup for Lozon. Um... And they do that. It's almost just like, but it's it's like it's like yeah, because it's like you would almost think they hate Jolo, but they don't. They love Jolo's and they love Jim Miller. But it's that weird thing in the UFC where like I talk about this all the time, especially now with UFC not not doing as good of a job building prospects as they've kind of gotten lost in their own schedule. Then you have other competitors on the rise like Bellator, who actually are doing quietly a damn good job home growing prospects. And you get these matchups in the UFC where it sounds crazy, but I've said this a lot in conversation this week. But it's like, hmm, this would almost be better. Um, if you lost, like it would be better if you lost this. Cause if you win this fight, like there's no turning back. You're only getting tough, uh, tough, hard fights. So that's, that's kind of how, um, that's kind of how I feel about that. All right, folks, going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to break down my picks and plays for UFC Busan right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. Hit it, Drunken Tiger. What do you know the meanings of a god's arrest? And we're back right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the UFC Busan breakdown portion of the show. Which was played by Drunken Tiger. Sorry, folks. I, I think breaks are good. It gives me a break to kind of reset. And Drunken Tiger, uh, there's no other way to excuse to play that song. And when else are we going to go to Korea? So hopefully you enjoyed that Korean rap. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. That was, uh, <clears throat> probably could have got away with a cleaner edit there. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had to break away for, for dinner. I thought I had more time than I did. And uh, my grandma flanked me as I was introing us back in for the, off the uh, Drunken Tiger track. And uh, let me know that we were now going to dinner early, apparently. <laughs> and there's not much arguing with her. And then she stubbed her toe and started, like, bleeding. And I had to, like, bandage it. And I was trying to convince her, we should probably clean this out. It wasn't too bad. But uh, it was more of a, fink, a toenail thing. And I, but she's like, no, just wrap it up. Let's go. She's a savage. We go eat. We meet my cousin and his family. <laughs> and then we eat this, like, really big meal. <laughs> And as we come back in, I guess, like, the hotel, or not the hotel, the, the condominium building. It's a really nice one here, but, like, I guess they're having some, like, potluck down uh, down at the uh, lobby. And uh, <laughs> there's, like, free food. <laughs> so, uh, so my grandma, again, she's got a, she's got that uh, ruthless businessman mentality uh, to her. In fact, I was talking to my cousin who was... Uh, Who's a pilot? He kind of took took the influence of my grandfather, and, and be, ended up being a pilot. Whereas me, I, I didn't get sadly I didn't get the business savvy from my grandmother, but I went down to the sports junkie, degenerate gambling junkie <laughs> route. 
that's why you guys listen to me. And uh, he was like, and I was like, ah, that's awesome. Yeah, I was hearing about, you know, uh, Grandma, she gave a bunch of women jobs, a bunch of pilots their starts, and you uh, actually uh, yeah, cross paths with these people's careers, you know, and, and, and that, that's pretty cool. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, and people respect her. She was a big name, but uh, she's kind of she's ruthless. <laughs> I think she was a workhorse if I'm reading between the lines. My cousin's telling me. I'm like, oh. Oh, my, my grandma, as we say here, Popo, Chinese. My Popo, she's got some Dana White in her, for sure. Chinese Dana White! <laughs> so she's just, like, freeloading. She's deaf, and, like, they actually stopped the potluck when we walked in, and they were, uh, they were uh, introducing, like, some new staff and whatnot. <laughs> Can we get your attention, please? And she's just, she's just hammering away, just loading up plates of food. And she's like, tell me, come, come, take this plate of food. Come, come, take this. I'm like, well, you just ate. Why are we taking food? And uh, we just rudely walked through their meeting and celebration, freeloading food. Yeah, I don't know why I shared that, folks, but I apologize. <laughs> this is getting out late, uh, later than we thought. It's, it's only like 7.30 Hawaii time. Um, but, you know, you know, it's like, that means it's what? At fucking... 1.30 in the morning, East Coast time, and this card goes off like late Friday night, early Saturday morning or some shit. So anyways, let's get let's get to it. UFC Busan, South Korea. Uh, headlined by Chan Sung Jung, minus 165 favorite Frankie Edgar, plus 145 underdog. Um, I got my full breakdown up at MMA Junkie, uh, if you want to see it there. Uh, and the video's been up for a minute uh, that we shot Monday. But yeah, I mean... Uh, Basically, it, for me, it just I just couldn't get that Bermudez junk fight out of my head. You know, the wrestle boxer, the uppercuts, and uppercuts have always been something that rocks Frankie Edgar. Um, you know, I've talked about uh, I've talked about this before uh, recently with the Max Holloway fight, how he found those uppercuts on Edgar, and of course Ortega, who the guy who finally stopped him, um, hit that vicious one. And Chan Sung Jung, I mean, even going back to his kickboxing days, he has that slip. Uh, uppercut hook counter ingrained into him, you know. Um, him and Mark Hunt are like weird comparison offhand, I know, but like they're just some of the guy, more guys I think about as far as kickboxers going into MMA with that ingrained slip uppercut counter, and, and they do it really goddamn well. Um, and Chan Sung Jung has that. I, I see that being the flint lighter to the finish, uh, sparking it off. Uh, and then it's also bad because Edgar, you know, uses his wrestling, obviously, especially matchups like these you think he traditionally would because his hand fighting hip and head position allow him to act like a honey badger and world-class guards. But the whole process of getting there and not that just guys are defending it and better at defending him and, you know, that's the game. Not so much just, you know, the man's age, 38 or whatever it is, but... um a front headlock threat can do wonders, you know. Max Holloway does have takedown defense to back his game up, but that front headlock threat, man, that does wonders. And Chan Sung Jung has that. He can use that to create scrambles, to turn it, uh, either get free or create advantageous positions um, to where, you know, he gets to mount, a la Poye Zombie. Um, and I just see Zombie finishing this, you know. Short notice, the just the poor decision making from wanting to go to Bantamweight to who you're taking it against and then willing to take this in the meantime. I mean, this is just flag city. Um, I'm taking Jung and uh, shamefully, one of the uh, only only plays I have written down here is Zombie Inside the Distance plus 130. Do what you will. Alexander Raykick minus 145. Vulcan Uzdemir plus 125. This was a tough one. I went back and forth on picks on this one and I, I think... Another reason, I, aside from not doing my normal tape study, another reason to uh, temper my picks here is because, you know, it, we're getting toward the end of, uh, and uh, God, I can't even remember if I talked about this, so I'll just keep it brief. We're getting toward the end of pick season, which I honestly try not to keep track of. Oh, I did talk about this. Yeah, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, it just, just makes you think twice about your pick because, again, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't with that whole thing. Uh, but I ended up taking Raykick. I'm just not super confident in it. I, I get why he's the favorite. But both guys are underrated wrestlers, defensive and offensively, but they're both athletic enough and good enough in the wrestling department, defensively and offensively, that it's really hard to see either guy getting an advantage there. So I primarily see this being a striking match slash clinch battle. And if it's a clinch battle, um, I'll be curious on who's dictating terms because both guys are decent in the clinch. I would say Vulcan Uzdemir is more proven at a higher level in the clinch. I, I think we can all say that. 
Um, and Volkan Uzdemir is also the more consistent mover. So for that reason, I actually uh, worry for Rakic in the clinch because I'm not sure how much uh, his level-changing abilities um, will, will do him well uh, here. Uh, and he he's shown to be aggressive sometimes. He's shown to stick and move. And then he's shown to kind of circle outside for his own good too much, which was the Devin Clark fight. However, I do kind of temper that, um, even though Devin Clark is a volatile fighter. And that win really wasn't – or that, you know – even though you ended up winning, it's win or lose. It doesn't age the greatest, right? And I'm not trying to pile on a Devin. Come on, bam, 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 bam. And, and uh, his dad uh, there in the corner. <laughs> That's great watching that fight. Come on, Devin. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely not trying to shit on the brown bear there. But um, I, I actually defend that because not only is you know Devin Clark strong or whatnot, but if you look, uh, Rakich actually has his guard up now. He probably still should have suspected contact, being that he was circling into not Clark's power side. It was a left hook, but he was circling into some power that, you know, more or less could have been seen because, you know, Clark's given a lot and showing a lot to give that distance and coming as aggressively as he is. But a lot of times, like I say, when you have your guard up and you think you're safe, that's when the shots hurt you the most. Kind of like the saying, it's the shots you don't see. Well, it's the shots you think you see, too. And I think some of it was that case. And in his defense, he recovers from that. And not only that, he actually takes like six to eight like illegal knees straight to the head that most guys are playing to the ref for. And they have every right to. Um, and you can even get a DQ for uh, C. Alvarez Poirier. Um, and you know how many seconds or milliseconds Rachik spent thinking about that? None. Uh, he... I mean, yeah, he, he may have paused and maybe he was waiting for the ref, but he wasn't playing to the ref. Uh, after getting after, after getting hit uh, with one hand, he goes two hands, he gets hit like three more times, goes one hand, still gets hit, and he's like, fuck it, then I'm out, and, and kind of gets an unclean one on the way up. So that's kind of how he got hit so much. But he didn't stop to play to the ref, which tells me there's some mental strength there. Um, Ozdemir, I think, has always been mentally strong. It's just been his gas tank that's kind of failed him. Uh... And, you know, even going back to the Reyes fight, it just looks like he's kind of getting a handle of himself and the fighter he is. He's still kind of young in MMA years, even though he has a deceptive kickboxing experience. Uh, and the kickboxing experience, training with heavyweights, training with, like, brutal heavyweights like Alistair Overeem, or, or more specifically for this camp, Cyril Ghani, whereas Alexander Rakic usually trains at American Top Team. Looks like he's training in Slovakia, which is fine, and I'm sure he's training with good strikers, and that's what, at for the very least, that region should be able to offer. I don't know, man. It seems like this is the this is the prospect loss. I know I was just on here saying Ray, Ray Kitch and Reyes are the guys to look out for. And for that reason, I, I am picking Ray Kitch here, but I am not confident, folks. Um, and I really thought about uh, changing it from Uzdemir, but I think I was just talking to – it's been nice. I get to, It's been nice I get to work with uh, Matt Erickson out here, you know. Uh, he's always on the East Coast, so I don't really get to see him. And he's a guy that I've known about, for, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a while now, before I, I came aboard, obviously. And, uh, but, you know, he was telling me he tracks it too. He's like, for most people, it's not just you, Dan. Like, uh, most people, when they change their pick, it ends up being wrong. There's like some kind of weird curse with that. And at least for my sample size of two years, I've only gotten one pick right when I changed it for what that's worth. So I decided to keep it to Rakich, but this is like an avoid list if I had a real avoid list. Do Ho Choi minus 300, Charles Jordan plus 250. I didn't do a lot of tape study on this. I don't remember much of Jordan's fight. Um, shout out to Lord Honky, by the way. I was looking at some of the tape, and even though I'm like, a, I can't just look at snippets or highlights, that's not how I, I do my tape study. Um, on weeks like this uh, for me, it, 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 it even is helpful to see the stuff on my timeline because what it will do is. Um, even though you don't get the same type of study, if you study the fights before, you'll see like a clip or something posted by the uh, the Caposas, the, the Street Fight Bonchos, or the uh, Lord Honky Humonguses of the world, and um, and it'll trigger like, oh yeah, that's right, this, this Jordan kid comes alive um, when you circle outside the fence, and Du Ho Choi, um, when he's quote unquote trying to fight smarter or calmer, he will, he he can be backed up into the fence and we'll fight from there as we saw at the Stevens fight where he ultimately ended up paying for it right and that was his last fight um so does he adjust that here but does he adjust it by going buck wild and sadly I think maybe going not buck wild but aggressive Choi probably serves him the best against Jordan here even though it's kind of the more reckless thing to do because he's coming off the layoff and knockout loss um I'm just gonna tune in for a good fight some good old Canada versus Korea um 
uh, family fun and uh, <laughs> and uh, the pick is Choi. No plays on that one. Um, this was an interesting one. Um, Mike Rodriguez minus 120. Da'an Jung plus 100. I'm pretty sure Da'an Jung opened as a like a minus 300 favorite. Like, are we getting like Bang Kun's movement over here? Like, for all you know that know that reference, uh, I remember a little birdie may or may not tell me about a sports book I may or may not frequent frequently. Uh, uh, a Korean gentleman or Asian gentleman, I should say. I don't know if they're Korean. Asian gentleman dropping about a forty thousand dollar bet on um, on cunts. So yeah, and then we had that that case, and they got let go. I don't know if there's some creepy stuff here, but uh, so that alone, maybe you want to pick Mike Rodriguez because you know um, he's a he's a character. He's got a, a fun fight style. He's a I think he's a New England mass guy, um, which is my, my dude, Nolan King is picking him. Uh, and, you know, I've always, whether we're talking about punk, hardcore um, athletes or, uh, or fighters or, or sports, uh, I always have a soft spot for Boston, too. So no hate there. But uh, when I went back to watch the tape, I, you know, I, it's tough. I just think Dalton Jung um, boxing range. Could be, even though he, you know, Mike Rodriguez is dangerous. If he dips too low, you're going to hit a knee. Da'an Jung, you know, he's going to have a height and length on with Rodriguez and have that parity. Uh, he's a deceptively big Korean. Um, his gas tank doesn't, I'm not saying he can't fade, but I, I think he's got a, a better gas tank than Rodriguez, which has been Rodriguez's kind of um, problem, if you will. And Da'an Jung, like a lot of these Korean fighters are really well-rounded, and they'll catch head and arm triangles and they have a very top centric game because again you're getting a lot of your top game from judo which is real popular in the region hence fighters like dong young kim and you look at their grappling styles like dong young kim will wrap and go positional control and and smash and he'll he'll take a he'll take a, a head and arm with the wrap if possible uh dong jung has a, a lot of those tendencies um so i'll just take him to pressure at boxing range not super confident I'll probably put a ducket or two for fun because he went to dog money, and I don't think he should have ever been as high as minus 300, but I do think he should have been the favorite for what that's worth. But, yeah, it's nothing I would tell you to tell you to bet. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's just where I stand on it for what that's worth. Pick is Jung. Uh, Jun Young Park, plus 105. Mark andre Barriel, minus 125. This is another tough one to call. I see this one being pr pretty tight all around. Uh, Jung Young Park, I like him, man. He's athletic. He's got some nice counter crosses and uh, and whatnot. Uh, he'll use the jab, although um, Fluffy Hernandez, I believe, was actually finding some hooks. Speaking of slip hook, uh, uppercut hooks, a counter a little, uh, not as clean with it, but Fluffy Hernandez was finding it and was able to persevere, th persevere through turbulence. And that kind of looks like maybe that might be the thing for Park, um, if you're not just an all-out uh, uh, grappler and can't out grapple him that is um, if you can maybe just be pressure him and match him in the toughness like a Marc-Andre Burial who has um, you know not the biggest uh, pool of experience but some deceptive experience has been training quite some time with high level guys a couple camps now at TriStar did this camp there never been stopped or submitted fighting and winning titles at both middle and light heavyweight so uh, I think he's just going to be the bigger uh, stronger, more durable, built uh, for tough kind of a kind of a guy here uh, down the stretch, um, and I think just him. He seems to have main, mainly just a forward gear burial, from what I can recall. Uh, again, I didn't find find comb this, but I do remember a decent amount of both fighters. And whereas Jun Young Park, um, who does well, he, he's got some really nice right crosses off the counter, but he's more willing to fight off his back foot. Granted, they will be in Korea, so I'm going to be real curious as to how. Uh, how the judges uh how the judges go but um but yeah uh, i'm gonna go uh i'm gonna go i'm gonna go burial ever the slightest this is definitely on the void list if i had a, if i was limited to three or four hey protecting neck podcasters thanks for putting up with uh, this nonsense and, and whatnot uh cheers to you oh damn way to fuck up the cheers well it's slippery it's condensation okay there we go cheers Honolulu Beer Works, Hop Island IPA, India Pale. You know me, I gotta be bougie. Gotta drink local, gotta eat local. Yeah, yeah. I was not making fun of my brothers and sisters in the South. <laughs> Wait, Dan, you clearly were. Well, I, it was in good fun. <laughs> All right, Kung Ho Kang, minus 250. Ping Long Lu, plus 210. See, I can be racist to my own there. 
Dan, it actually sounded like you trying, which was the sad part. Well, you know, I'm trying to be fair. I'm trying to be fair with the insults, folks. Doesn't matter what color skin you are, everybody's open season. Wow, Dan, that's, that's a way to get more sponsors again. <laughs> All right. Um, this one's weird, man. I'm surprised. I, I didn't go back to watch it, but Ping Wong Lu is nothing special, man. Uh, you look at who he's won and just who he's fought against. It's not, uh, it's not, very, it's not very special. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> another, another edit. Take a, take a shot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't get this line. Um, I feel like uh, Kang should, should, should roll here. And at minus 250, um, I didn't study it, so don't, but this is one I would be looking at for a parlay piece. And uh, I don't think I'll be blindly parlaying anything, but th if I were wanting to do a fun one, he would definitely be a key uh, person in there, Kang. So take that for what it's worth, but also take for what it's worth again. I didn't, uh, didn't viciously study it. Um, speaking of not studying it, Cyril Gane minus 650. Tanner Bows or Tanner Bow Hedgehog haircut with... Tanner Bowser, IFL standout, Tanner Bowser. If they do, <laughs> if they do, someone was like, Quintet needs the IFL team, and I forget who they listed. It's probably Smoogie. They listed, like, a good list. But I was like, can we just put Tanner Bozier in that list as well? Cause, just because he looks like he should be an I and, and sounds like there should be an IFL dude. Um, I, it's tough. You, you want to look at an angle like, oh, do I go inside the distance? But Tanner Bozier is Tanner Bozier. It's very durable. Um... Deceptively durable, and Tanner Bowser can clinch and push against the fence when he needs to as well, make a fight ugly. That said, Cyril Gane, again, another reason why a great partner for Ozdemir, so athletic, uh, can flash that southpaw stance, can fight from both stances. Uh, from what I recall, Central Park and Fall, he will touch Bowser's lips with his kick, probably off a dip. Uh, I got Gane... I've got Gane. All right, uh, next, Sungwoo Choi, minus 280. Suman and plus 240. How much did you drink at dinner, Dan? It's none of your business. I take another sip. Um, I did not watch this, but it's just like, it feels like, who's less bad, and let's pile on to the less bad guy, because I really, that's my initial take from what I remember. <laughs> Jesus, Dan, should be any more disrespectful. Um, I'm sorry, it's very tough. Very tough guys. Uh, I love Australians and whatever Suman Mokhtarian is his heritage. I'm sure it's very tough. And uh, of course, you know how I feel about Korea. Again, if it were, if it was if it was a uh, if it was a uh, race wars, I know it's very bad. <laughs> My favorite race war, like I said, is what we should have had at the top with Ortega and Korean Zombie, Mexico versus Korea. Um, I know it sounds really racist, but bear with me, folks. Like, think about when Mexico Korea come together. You get Marco Polo Reyes. And fucking Dong Young Ma, who was Dong Young Kim too at the time, right? You know, we get, um, fuck, I'm sure there's boxing parallels that are old school that I can't think of right now. Um, but yeah, there, 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 there's, a, there, there's a lot of them uh, that I, I don't know, I can't, that I can't think of. Great point, Dan. All right, I'm taking Choi. Great analysis, right? I'm sure there's a good reason to take Choi, but I'm sure even if I did the tape study, I would be utterly disappointed to find out that. Choi's probably not worth a minus 280. If he is, good on you. You can let me know at Dan Tom MMA. Let me know what I got wrong. But you've only got a limited amount of characters. Omar Moran. Omar. Omar. Money don't have owners. Only spenders. That's right. One of the best, best TV character of all time. Probably, it's got to be top five TV characters of all time, right? I mean, you're including Sopra Tony Soprano, everything on HBO. Uh, Omar. From the wire, come on, oh, Dan. That is not who's fighting. Well, I don't know anything about Omar Morales, so I got to pontificate here. He's facing Dong Young Ma. Speaking about, uh, you know, hey, our, uh, Dong Young Ma, aka Glenn from The Walking Dead, who he kind of looked like Glenn from The Walking Dead after a couple fights. He's been smashed up a good bit, um, especially to get his start. He got slammed unconscious in the last time they were in Korea, ah, ah, hometown China. Who you got, huh? Props to anybody who knows that song I just referenced, but. You know, Glenn from The Walking Dead is back, man. Um, that said, I don't know if I could take him here just from all the damage he's taken. Uh, but I don't know anything about Omar Morales, so it would be uh, kind of unethical for me to pick uh, just based on the numbers. So I'm just going to go on the hometown guy for the... Uh, oh, there's a Talef now. All right, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> there's a phone call, and uh, 
all right, we got uh, to say that. I'm just going with the upset there just because just obviously do not follow me off that cliff there. Uh, Alexandre Pantoja, minus 210. Matt Schnell, plus 175. Man, this is the fight I really wanted to get to. But, again, it's been, uh, as you guys can see, I'm not just, just making excuses. <laughs> It's been tough to get worked up. But I mean, Matt Chanel, man, uh, he's been uh, an underdog. Like, even though I haven't picked him, I think I, I, I came around a couple of fights ago to where his last fight, I was like, listen, I'm picking um, the guy he's facing, but it's not by a lot, you know, because I could totally see Chanel getting an opportunistic submission. And sure enough, Chanel scored himself, Danger Chanel scored himself another, another one. And he's just a hard guy not to like. You listen to this guy talk. He's super likable. He looks like my boy John John Rico. Shouts to John John. Uh, but you know, you guys know already, listeners. This, but I'm a huge Pantoja fan, so you can already guess where I'm going with this one. Um, I think minus two ten would be reasonable if this was the old Matt Chanel, but the new Matt Chanel, who is more consistently training at AKA, it looks like. Um, yeah, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna provide some problems on the outside. And even though I don't see him getting an opportunistic submission on Pantoja, uh, I'll be curious to see if he can hold his own enough to not get his back taken and just a round drain like Pantoja will do to people, which as a better, you always love that, right? Like when your guy gets the back, you're like, I don't even care if you finish. Just, oh, I mean, finish, yeah, but just steal the round at the very least. You know, it's, you get some stress. I mean, there's never the stress relief. Fights can go many ways, of course, but there's a little bit of stress relief when your guy gets the back, and that, that's Pantoja. I'm going to go with Pantoja's pressure and grappling uh, and scrambling ability here. Um, but I'd be careful um, laying higher than this minus 210 on him, or heavy. Uh, Hayoni Barcelos and Saeed Margamadoff, dead even, minus 110. Saeed was an underdog earlier today, so I'm pretty sure he opened as it. I'm not looking, nor am I checking. Um, but either way, it's a competitive fight, and either way, it's like you, you, if you see plus money either way on this, uh, on either guy's name, then it's definitely worth a shot. So I don't blame anybody for taking Saeed. But uh, off my uh, recognition, um, I like Barcelos. Unless he can avoid you know, the, the, the spin kicks and the Wushu Santa influences of Saeed from his uh, Dagestan roots there, um, I think that more experienced jiu-jitsu guys have been able to provide... Um, the Dagestani guys' problems, at least when they're younger, i.e., a younger Rustam Khabilov against an older Adriano Mart, a more veteran Adriano Martins. You, you see what I'm saying there? And I think it's the same thing here with Hayoni Barcelos, who's not just legit with jujitsu, but also can wrestle and does his fair share of boxing, which um, that's going to be his pressure, where he kind of pressures and does his best work. And if Saeed wants to test his grappling superiority, he doesn't want that pressure and changes levels. Well, then he's going to have to come into that uh, uppercut territory of Hani Barcel Hayoni Barcelos. And again, Barcelos, no slouch on the wrestling. And again, uh, I believe, you know, a really high-ranked uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So, uh, uh, again, I didn't I even have bios for this. Shouts to John, my man, John Morgan. Um, I'm just lazy, folks, and I'm late, so I'm just trying to get this out. And I didn't do tape study anyways, so it would just be basic stuff. That most of y'all could probably look up anyways. Miranda Granger, minus 185. Um, Coming off her defeat off Hannah Goldie against Amanda Lemos, plus 160. We haven't seen her since she had a TKO loss to freaking, uh, what's her name? Uh, Hilary Schwank of MMA. Hilary Schwank. Who is that? God damn. I like her. That wasn't to be, to be mean, but that was meant to jog my memory. Um, Leslie Smith, sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Million dollar big. Uh, come on, damn. I like Leslie Smith, by the way. I really do. I got a soft spot for her. Um, but. Yeah, uh, wow, where the hell's Lemos been? So that's hard to, I didn't look at her on Instagram um, or Granger, see what they've been up to, but Granger is the more active. Uh, she was very aggressive and her sample size is deceptive. I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and take a, take Granger here. All right, lastly but not leastly, Ryan Benoit, minus 120, uh, highly Atlatang, plus 100. Um, yeah. <laughs> Haliella Tang, you know, he 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 beat uh, Dana, that girl. And uh, Ryan Benoit's been gone since like 2017 or 2018, something like himself. He was scheduled to fight at UFC 228 and then uh, had an injury. I don't know what kind of injury because he's been gone over a year. But uh, now it looks like he's did, aside from Texas, he did at least the last end of his camp at New Jersey, New York, Kenzo Gracie. Also with that, looked like a bit with that Nick Catone, New Jersey contingent a bit too. Um, so who knows? Um, I, I always liked uh, 
Benoit stylistically, he just puts on fun fights, win or lose. Um, so he should be, he should roll. I mean, I, I, I don't see why he doesn't roll here. I, I think because of his time off and he has, you know, perhaps maybe Estebed in certain spots or underperform overall. Sure, that does, there is an argument for that. But Holly Alatang, from what I remember, I mean, there wasn't much special here. I mean, he was very athletic and and could and and could deceptively wrestle. So that that may be enough to save him. But Benoit can can wrestle and, and, and box like hell. I mean, you want to talk about uppercuts and hooks. Um, this kid's got him, and he never really, uh, he's always working with somebody uh, pretty high level for his boxing for the most part. I'm trying to make it a point too. So I'll take Benoit there. I really wish I could study that fight more because one, that seems like a playable line. Uh, even if you're just like doing degenerate stuff because you don't need much to just get a little bit of a return, sprinkle a little bit for fun help you stay awake, encourage you to wake up early whenever the heck this is going on. But, yeah. All right, folks. Recapping picks here. Real quick before we start off with the Barnett marks, that was uh, the open workout, man. I almost I don't know if I said it earlier when Barnett was doing the pro wrestling thing. I, I don't mind it, by the way. I like it. It's funny. But I, like, took my, my uh, head away for one second to go on my phone, and as I look up, um, Barnett picked up his mustachioed up, uh, training partner and threw him off the platform into the drink cooler that I was standing in front of and like I barely got out of the way and I'm like Jesus Christ so that was uh, that was a trip but alright folks recapping picks taking Josh Barnett over Honey Marks thanks God taking Goito Perez over Toby Misich taking Vita Ortega let me sprinkle on that dog for fun even though it breaks my heart to pick against Alejandra Lara Oh, Colombiana, kryptonite. Taiwan Classics, and I'm taking over. Stay on target. Over a KO. Taking Joey Davis over C- Cisneros. Taking Alima Leigh McFarland the next night over Kate Jackson. Taking AJ McKee over West Texas Tough Compost. Taking Velasquez over Allen. Taking Jackson over Kunimoto. Taking Hafian Stotts over Chavin. And um, again, avoid pretty much everything. <laughs> um, Kang could be a parlay piece, possibly. Gonna look at Benoit. And uh, Zombie Inside the Distance, plus 130. That's really all I got for you folks. Hopefully that wasn't too much of a mess. And, um, you know, aside from the picks and stuff, there was uh, some nuggets in here or something. Either way, thank you all. I appreciate you for listening. Good luck with your picks and plays, and always protect the unknown.